Welcome to The Big Unlock, where we discuss data, analytics, and emerging technologies in healthcare. Here's some of the most innovative thinkers in healthcare information technology talk about the digital transformation of healthcare and how they are driving change in their organizations. And uh, welcome back to my podcast, The Big Unlock. Uh, and it's my privilege and honor today to have as my special guest today, Dr. Patrick James, Chief Clinical Officer of Quest Diagnostics. Dr. James, welcome. Eddie, it's my pleasure. Thank you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. So, Dr. James, uh, you're going to spend uh, maybe another 15, 20 minutes or so talking mostly about. Uh, a very provocatively titled uh, report that uh, Quest Diagnostics uh, is uh, publishing, which is based on a survey that you did. And the title of the report is Stalled Progress on the Path to Value-Based Care. Now, <laughs> uh, obviously, it looks like you had some surprises uh, in the survey. Do you want to uh, do you want to start by telling us what the key takeaways were and and what surprised you and what, what led to that provocative title? Patty, I would be delighted to do so. So, Patty, as I believe you're aware, this is the third annual survey where we've been canvassing opinions from physicians, primary care physicians, several hundred, and also a large number of health plan executives at the director level or above. So we've been watching the the voice of the customer, if you will, the people we're working with, both physicians and health plan executives, get their perceptions of, A, how is the, the movement going? Is the migration accelerating or perhaps not as much as we had expected several years ago? And also understand what they're viewing as both challenges to adopting this mode of dealing with the changing healthcare landscape. So, this is the third installment. I think early on, we felt that the movement was progressing. With the current study, I, I think we're getting some good data showing that there's there's less optimism about this movement, that we're, both physicians and health plan executives feel that you know they, it's not moving at the speed we'd had imagined, that we're still very much in a fee-for-service environment. And this year's study shows less optimism of catalyzing that movement going forward. Right, right. Did you see any uh, nuances uh, in the responses? As obviously, you know, several hundred respondents, so I imagine they cover a fairly broad spectrum from among the uh, clinician community and, and also in the health plan community. Did you see any uh, nuances in terms of certain types of organizations, maybe the larger ones being more receptive to value-based care or or otherwise, were there any were there any subtexts, uh, so to speak, in the in the findings, in the broad findings? You know, Patty, I would say so in the, the broad text of this in surveying the the physicians and these executives, over two-thirds, 67 percent, believe that, you know, we are in a, very much in a fee-for-service environment as opposed to a value-based system. About 26, 27 percent had that perception. 
And the fee for service was actually up 4% over last year. And the, the group that felt we were in value-based care system actually dropped by 2%. So, you know, that was surprising. We didn't specifically break out, you know, whether the, the plans that are feeling maybe the stalling are the larger or perhaps regional or smaller regional plans. We do work with a number of health plans, right? I, I engage with our health plan colleagues uh, on a daily basis. And, you know, many of the larger national plans have moved forward with various value-based arrangements, uh, some with their ACO uh, partners. It, it does seem like our discussions about these kinds of initiatives are not as frequent or energized, uh, perhaps, as they were maybe a year or two ago. Right, right. Now, I know uh, your survey doesn't specifically cover this, but do you have, from your own experience, an estimate of how, how much of the healthcare payment dollars are flowing through a value-based care arrangement as opposed to a fee-for-service uh, arrangement? Would you say it's... You know, uh, yeah, Patty, I don't have current information. I know most of the, well, first of all, you know, CMS came out with some very bold goals a few years ago in terms of moving away from fee-for-service towards more quality-based risk-sharing uh, sort of arrangements. On the commercial health plan side, most of the nationals have also come out with you know, going back three years or so, two or three years, you know, fairly aggressive movements toward those sorts of arrangements. I know our experience as a diagnostic services provider, we've had a number of those discussions. We're still very early, though, in the process in terms of what they might look like and how we might engage the provider segment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I know the CMS had... Uh Set a goal of 50% of all Medicare payments by 2018. Is it is it uh, safe to say that that goal is not going to be achieved this year? You know, Penny, I would say it's that's less likely. I know with the the new administration, some of the changes that are ongoing in HHS and CMS, uh, in some of the attempts to try and relieve administrative burden on physicians. You know, whether it's CMS or the American Medical Association. There's a lot of discussion and initiatives trying to call back, cut back on the administrative burden placed on practices, whether it's pre-authorization or trying to document quality measures for MACRA, as example. So I think both CMS and certainly uh, many of the health plans are hearing a lot of pushback around uh, administrative burden. So people are trying to simplify quality measures. There's also an attempt to try and make physicians doing their work, particularly primary care physicians, right, where offices are quite hectic and overburdened. The stresses of trying to deal with some of these many requirements have just become overwhelming. So I think there's a number of things that may be at play in, in perhaps uh, easing the push towards value-based care in terms of some of the mechanics and management of data becoming easier. Right, I, I, and uh, you, you know, you mentioned quality metrics. 
And that clearly seems to be one of the spotlights in the report in terms of uh, the degree of agreement or disagreement about whether uh, you know these quality metrics are helping, hindering, uh, and whether you know the tools are even in place. Correct. And there's there's a lot of commentary around that, and some interesting uh, uh, you know differences as well as convergences. Uh, so if I recall it right, in the, in the survey, it seems like you know health plans are finally coming around to agreeing more with the physicians that uh, the quality metrics tools uh, uh, are not adequate in order to meet the needs of a value-based care system. Did I read that correctly? Patty, you absolutely did, and it's interesting. You know, I, I was traveling last week, and on a, a flight back to my home, I was reading uh, the most recent. Uh, issue of modern healthcare, and they had a, a summary report of the recent um, healthcare financial management association meeting, and, and actually value-based care was a very dominant theme that permeated the conference. And it's interesting they came away with a couple of key themes. One is data is king, and you know we in Quest Diagnostics have realized in, the, in recent years, uh, especially under Lydia's leadership, that you know data is incredibly important and the tools that we can use to help transform data into knowledge that you know becomes useful in context and eventually becoming wisdom. We've really put a lot of effort in developing our suite of tools, which we call quantum, to deal with whether it's uh, uh, electronic health record system we can put into practices, whether it's some of the analytics we can overlay to help physicians look at gaps in care, closing quality measures. But we know that data is very important. It's it's the coin of the realm, if you will, but many physicians are overwhelmed with data. Actually, many health plans are also overwhelmed with data. So, you know, in our our mission to really develop and deliver insights, you know, using our tools to make all the insights that are available in the very rich database that is laboratory study is really a focus. The second thing that came out of the the Healthcare Financial Management Association's theme was really the risk has to, you know, the incentives need to be aligned. More downside risk, they state. Incentives are going to be necessary. Third, they talked about a matter of trust, and that's another area we've really tried to develop our our value proposition, what we bring to our our colleagues, our customers, whether they're physicians or health plans. You know, one of our our themes is trusted medical advisors. So we understand this space very well. We understand how to apply tools to this data to enrich it and make it more insightful. So that's something we're really been uh, pushing in our dialogue with health plans, and it seems to be resonating quite well. That The last of the four pillars that the healthcare financial management uh, group came on value-based, they said changing physician preferences. So we're also trying to help give physicians data-driven choices. You know, can they go to high-quality, low-cost venues to get work done like laboratory studies. So as I was reading that article, and then, you know, Lydia and I and Chanel and others had some discussions internally about the study, it just 
underscored to me how this study really is aligned and in pace with what we're seeing in some major national dialogues. Very interesting. You know, going back to the to the point about uh, the tools that uh, physicians require in order to meet the quality metrics. Now, your your uh, survey says that uh, health plan executives and physicians now increasingly agree that the tools to succeed under value-based care are lacking. Right? So, uh, Dr. James, I had a question on that. Do you think that that is because people are not investing enough in the tools, or is it because the tools themselves aren't available or are mature enough to meet the needs of a value-based care, uh, a quality metric system under value-based care? You know, Patty, excellent question. You know, in our perspective, it seems to be elements of both. So in the in the Quest study, you know, the majority of health plan executives, about 57%, believe that physicians do not have the tools to succeed. Many of those tools, of course, relate to, you know, data, data management, really getting the insights. And it, it was interesting in this year's survey, which was a distinct departure from prior years, now many of the health plan executives agree with physicians that they don't have the robust tool set or the necessary data to really drive success in a value-based contracting environment. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I saw, too, that uh, uh, the, the question of, you know, data and uh, having enough data about patients is coming up as a theme in the, uh, the responses. Uh, I, I was curious about one thing, though. Now, the, the survey talks very specifically about electronic health record systems and how much of the information within EHR systems is usable in the context of uh, quality metrics program. At the same time, it seems to me that there is a lot of data that is emerging about patients that can potentially provide a physician with a more comprehensive view of the patient. So we talk about genomics data as an example, or wearables. These are just two two prominent examples, but there's lots and lots of emerging data sources, social determinants and so on, that are now being harnessed in order to provide a more complete view of the patient. So this uh, comment uh, you know, that physicians are making that they don't have enough data about patients seems to be in some ways contradictory to the fact that there's lots and lots of emerging sources of data. So what would one make of that? You know, Patty, again, I know that you would say, well, gee, that seems to be dichotomy, right? It seems to be a dichotomous um, series of statements. But I think when we talk about data, the, the, the amount of data is overwhelming. You know, there was an article published in Health Affairs this May that says, you know, that said there's 75,000 different genetic tests available to a physician to order, and about 10 new tests, genetic tests, come on the market every day. Well, even if you're an expert in genomic medicine, you know, it's hard to make sense of what exactly is the right test for my patient. So many physicians are becoming overwhelmed, whether it's about choosing genomic tests, whether it's about 
you know, making sense of the flood of data they're seeing uh, on their patients. So even if physicians are seeing the data through their EHR, getting that data filtered and analyzed appropriately so it becomes actionable is really the key challenge right now, right? So there are some physicians, some practices that are not having as much access to data as they would like. I think when we talk about the tools to deal with that data, that's even a much larger problem. And I I know we, we have a quantum electronic health record, which actually is configured to really help practices deal with requirements, whether it's MACRA or other CMS regulatory environments to, to try and make it much easier and intuitive for physicians to try to deal with this enormous amount of data. Right, right, right. Now, um, now Dr. Jones, the, you know, I was looking for some good news in all this, and it seemed to me like there's, there's a couple, there's at least a couple pieces of good news in the survey, and one of them seems to be that you know, all your survey respondents, uh, you know, demonstrate a lot of support for technology and technology solutions. So, you know, blockchain, advanced analytics. Uh, do you do you consider that to be a positive sign? And how does that play into eventually accelerating the shift towards value-based care, assuming that that's a desirable shift? Yes. So, Patty, yes, I, I think you're absolutely correct. I think the, the the information our survey really emphasized that both physicians and the health plan executives do see real value in some of these evolving technology. You mentioned uh, blockchain. There's also the, the fire technology, you know, some smart application program. We've all been asking for interoperability between these various EHR systems, right? And we're still not there yet. It's somewhat of a Tower of Babel if the physician's trying to deal with information on his patients in different systems. So some of these new platforms and tools and application programming platforms are really going to accelerate the movement to true interoperability. So we're very excited about that. You know, Liddy and her team, as part of Quest, have been at the forefront of a collaborative with blockchain. We call that Blockchain Alliance. We think that's going to really help from both a security standpoint, but also from an access and data retrieval standpoint. So that that technology, it's interesting, which really evolved from the cryptocurrencies, looks to have significant applications in healthcare. So that is something we are very excited about. Yeah, and I did, uh, you know, I did uh, speak with Lydia on this in one of my earlier podcasts about the uh, the collaboration that uh, you've you've uh, launched with Optum and Humana and a couple of others. So that was exciting, and that was focused on provider data management in particular, if I recall it, as the problem that uh, is being addressed through the blockchain pilot. As I'm, I'm really interested to hear more about it as and when uh, you know the results become available in terms of the benefits uh, that you get out of it. Great. So, Great. You know, uh coming back to the to the whole uh you know, to the whole question around value-based care, and one of the things that I do you know, as part of my work with uh, health systems and and others is really look at digital transformation. There is this whole shift towards 
Yes. Using digital technologies to reimagine uh, processes, reimagine customer experiences, in this case, patient experiences, or even caregiver experiences. And, and that's a big focus and uh, thrust for many health systems today. There's a couple of things that, that I wanted to you know, run past. You know, in, in your survey, there was an interesting observation that the doctors value patient engagement, but they don't necessarily believe in consumerism. You know, I, I scratched my head a little bit on that. Uh, just couldn't quite fathom what that meant. But at the same time, it seemed to me like with the uh, with the support for all the emerging technologies and so on and so forth, uh, and the the value that's being placed on improved patient engagement, it, it seems like there is definitely a desire towards digitally reimagining and transforming the experiences for improved patient engagement and by extension, improving the lives of caregivers, uh, whether it's to reduce workload or reduce burnout or whatever. Do, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, Patty, one of the results of the of the Quest study that really caught me by surprise, you know, because I, I deal with these issues daily, you know, much of the most of the results really reinforced what I'm seeing. The results on consumerism, you know, the fact that there was a 20%, 20 percentage point gap between how physicians and health plan executives, you know, whether putting more emphasis on a consumer-based approach to healthcare will help advance value-based care, you know, 75% of the executives said yes versus 55% of the physicians. I, I was really struck by that because, you know, everything we're doing as a company is trying to get to that consumer, get to the where they're going, how they live their lives, whether it's a partnership with Walmart or Safeway where they shop, digital enablement, you know, apps they can use. It, it's interesting. We have about 45,000 employees, Patty, and that those employees have several thousand dependents that are part of our self-insured health plan. And in recent years, the medical team have been leading a change in how we approach those individuals, our employees, our consumers. Uh, and we've been using many of these tools. We've been eating our own cooking, if you will, to really push digital empowerment, really make sure that our employees have data, information, and tools to make good decision. And it's really made a difference both in outcomes, both financial and clinical. So I know our medical teams and most of the physicians I deal with, you know, in my travels absolutely underscore the consumerism that's growing ever more important. So I was really surprised to see that gap. I would imagine next year or the next two years, that gap is going to close dramatically. Right, that's really that's really encouraging. You know, one thing that we have to we have to also acknowledge and consider is the role of the regulatory authorities, right? CMS in particular, and yeah. CMS has been a you know series of announcements. I think they made some significant announcements uh, very recently about uh, reimbursements, uh, virtual care, and so on. What what uh, what is your view on some of the more recent announcements that have that have come out from the CMA. Advanced. You know, Pat, it's interesting. We track their, you know, their announcements not only on some of the value-based models, um, 
you know, that they're trying to get the physicians across the country to adapt, but also how they're, you know, how they're really walking the talk, if you will, in regulatory activity. So, you know, we talked about genomic testing recently. There, there has been a number of discussions to accelerate the adoption, you know, get both the FDA and CMS involved in making determinations on, you know, what genetic tests should be covered. Um, so we are seeing some movement there, some acceleration of the process. We're looking at, at some of their pronouncements to ease data submission, to make that a little bit easier, less cumbersome to deal with. And on the quality initiatives, you know, we've not heard anything formally from CS that hasn't been announced, but it, it seems like as we talk to the Medicare administrative contractors and others who work very closely with with CMS, I, I think there there is there are changes afoot to speed the responsiveness. We talked about consumerism. It, it seems like CMS and the FDA are also getting more consumer centric and trying to speed up technologies, applications, models of care that'll make easier for providers, physicians to uh, take care of their patients, do it with less administrative burden, and also experience the rewards that come with that. Right, right. Uh, that's that's uh, excellent. So uh, I, I know we're running out of time here. Uh, I had just one last question uh, for you, Dr. James. If in the light of all of the uh, all of the uh, you know findings from the survey you had to pick an alternate title to the report something that focuses on you know uh, positive development that really you know gives us hope in terms of you know a, a potential acceleration of the shift towards value based care what would you say is your, is your takeaway from your from your survey well, Patty, I think, you know, stalled progress on the path, I, I think, is adequate. But I, I would add, you know, there are some, I think, the support for technology to better deal with data and make that data more available so it really becomes knowledge physicians can make actionable. And also, I think the support for some of the newer technology tools, whether it's the FIRE platform or blockchain technology. And then finally, consumerism will will continue to drive many of these things. And it, it's likely to, to be another catalyst to get value-based care moving again. Fantastic. Well, Dr. James, uh, as always, a pleasure speaking with you. And thank you so much uh, for your time. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye now. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Subscribe to our podcast series at www.thebigunlock.com and write to us at infothebigunlock.com. At